In this episode, Van Oaks, who is the CMO of a couple of companies um, that form an eight-figure conglomerate, um, including Diesel Gear Brothers, Diesel Sellers, um, and also has a show on the Discovery Channel. He talks about how he scaled the company from when he came on board from seven figures to multiple eight figures in revenue um, and how all of this in conjunction with Facebook, omni-channel marketing, Snapchat strategies, fuels a massive monthly $100,000 truck giveaway, um, which then in turn also fuels their marketing and their CPAs. So guys, this one's a goodie. Enjoy the show. All right, Van, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, bro. Excellent, man. So why don't you tell everyone kind of um, what you're working on at the moment and the story of everything that happened up until this point where you are now? You want the story up until and then what we're working on now? Yeah, that's it. Perfect. Yeah, man. uh, So I was, I used to do door to door sales. I think I explained this to you. I did door to door sales for 12 years um, and loved every bit of it. It was fantastic. I love sales. That's just, I I just love it. Uh, I love the challenge of selling somebody something. And I did that forever and I probably wouldn't have changed other than like I, I got married, had kids and I was gone too much. Uh, and I wanted to be home more often. So I decided that I was going to learn to sell, sell stuff online, right? Mm. So I, my, I had a brother-in-law at the time that, had a, uh, that worked for an affiliate marketing network. So I asked him, you know, what he did. And he's just like, you can come check it out. So I went and worked for an affiliate network for probably a month uh, and just saw kind of what was going on. And then uh, really quick after I made my own I became an advertiser, made my own product, and I started selling it myself online. And because I could be home with the kids, I could work from home, I could sell my products from home. It was like, it worked out great. So I did that for about a year and a half. I was buying traffic and then I figured, you know, I should learn to run traffic myself. Uh, So I I started to learn to run Facebook and do all that. And then it was then that my, uh, I grew up with some guys who would, uh, who had launched a store, but they didn't know they had big social media followings, but they didn't know how to run traffic, run any Facebook right. or anything. So they hit me up and they're like, Hey, we got this store. We got a big social media following, but we don't, we don't really know how to do Facebook traffic. Can you run traffic? And I was like, yeah, I think I can. So they had me come up in 2013 and start, or it was 2016. They started in 2013, 2016. I started running traffic for them. And yeah, we went from six, they went from $6 million in a year to me doing $13 million in one year, just, just from the media buying. And then it's all just been kind of downhill since then, you know, the started doing the media buying there, TV show, the other brands have launched from there to where now there's probably six different brands underneath this one umbrella. Uh, I'm the CMO now. I kind of run all the marketing along with the product development. So I've got a lot going on over here, but like, like I was telling you earlier, that's, that's a good problem to have, right? Yeah, that's it, man. So, so what are you guys selling? Do you want to tell people about the brand? It's really just an e-commerce store. It's a, it's an apparel store. Uh, and, and we're in a niche demographic for a truck dudes that like trucks, right? It's Mm -hmm. diesel. The store is called dieselpowergear.com. Uh, but it's basically niche apparel for, for dudes that like big diesel trucks. Uh, so we just sell, it's just apparel. It sounds stupid, but dude, until you meet some, some of these dudes in the States that have diesel trucks, 
and their trucks cost $100,000 and they don't even have a home. So it's the most expensive thing they own and they live and die by this truck. It's their brand. It's their identity. And you start making apparel for them. And then what we did was it's a giveaway model. So the, the business is set up like every $5 you spend on our stuff, be it a shirt, a hat, whatever, get you entered to win a diesel truck. And we give away a $100,000 diesel truck every single month. So there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it, but people are buying apparel, you know, $35 shirts. Uh, and when they do, they're getting chances to win possibly a hundred thousand dollar truck. And we give one away every month. Wow. Wow. That sounds like something pretty, like a pretty big target. People, people can aspire to at home. I reckon like listening to going from, you know, where, where the brand was. Just so yeah. that you guys understand though, like especially dudes that are just beginning, the very first time that they did this, he just gave away his own personal truck, his own personal truck. He had a big following and he's like, people love my truck on social media. He's like, I bet if I told people I would give them the truck and they sold wristbands the first time that cost them a cent or two to make the wristband and they sold the wristbands for five bucks a pop. Mm. Uh, and it blew up. They did over $400,000 in sales uh, off the wristbands in their first, the very first giveaway. And then after that, people were reaching out like, you guys should make t-shirts. You guys should make hats. I would wear your hats. So then now it's now fast forward till today and we have like 1500 SKUs of, we'll sell anything, right? Damn dude, yeah, that's cool, that's cool. So what, what happened? Cause you mentioned that like when you, when you first came on board, they were doing about six mil a year in sales and then you took them to 13 just in the first year alone. What changed to actually double the sales in, in just 12 months? Because that's a crazy result. Um, Facebook. And what'd you do? Media buying. Literally, yeah. like, like people are like, you did something crazy and unheard of. And I was like, not necessarily when you understand that I stepped into a, a company where these guys have literally at the time that I started, they had like 750,000 followers. Now they have like 3 million, right? Mm. But when I started, it was like 750,000 followers and they didn't understand at the time that all of their people weren't seeing their stuff. They thought, you know, if they were posting, everybody was seeing it. And I was trying to explain like, you have to buy media on Facebook. You have to pay Facebook if you want everybody to see this stuff. I know you mm. think everybody is and a lot of them are, but at the end of the day, it's getting like every year it's got worse and worse as far as like organic reach. So it was mainly just the very first year that took that big massive jump was just Facebook. Um, mm. Now fast forward till today when we have, you know, Facebook, Snapchat, SMS, email, we're doing all of the things, but initially what initially did that made us double was, was the Facebook. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I see. And so talking about Snapchat, cause you brought that up, you're like a massive Snapchat dude in the space. A lot of people look to you for Snapchat advice and guidance and stuff like that. Tell us about what you're doing with Snapchat and what's, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I think we do a ton of Facebook. Like I don't want, I don't want to get the, the wrong idea out that Facebook still isn't the behemoth that it is. And you still have to do Facebook, right? Yeah, of course, man. Yeah. It, it's, it has the biggest reach of all these platforms. But what I saw was that everybody was a professional at Facebook and everybody was getting into Facebook and it was getting more and more expensive. Like three years in a row, it got, got more and more expensive. Like literally I just watched this, like my CPM's climbing. I'm just like, I don't want to be dependent upon Facebook to make a living, right? I would rather have owned audiences, A, 
But then B, at the time, I tried Snapchat years ago, and it really wasn't great. And then they reached back out and said, hey, we got a new Pixel placed. You should check it out. So then I went in there, not this Black Friday that just happened, but the one before. So two years ago, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, we went in there and we crushed on, on Snapchat. And after that, it's all just been kind of downhill to where finally, like as of 2020, the reach is getting there now. Like we, we always struggled with with deliverability on Snapchat compared to Facebook as to where now it seems like Snapchat's doing a lot better at mm. being able to spend all the budget. So I'm, 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 I get a better return on ad spend from Snapchat than I do from Facebook. Yeah. Obviously scalability is not quite there. So Facebook's still the big player, but I want to diversify as much as possible, right? I don't want to have all my eggs in Facebook's basket. I'd rather have Snapchat and text and email and all of these different places. We have ambassadors now. We have all these different places that sales are coming from so that we're not so – dude, there's nothing worse than Facebook going down on a day yeah, or right. an ad account getting disabled or whatever, any little thing. And it could just it, – it blows my mind that some companies – that will put your company out of business. So they rely so heavily on Facebook that if if it goes away, and, what, what happens to your yeah, business? And, and companies do go out of business. It happens all the time, like with, with the, the whole Facebook deal, especially in like, you know, certain health and beauty and fitness and stuff like that. They they get get and it's out getting of the harder night. and harder, you know, it's getting yeah. harder and harder keeping accounts. And all I hear is people complain and complain. Now we do everything super white, white hat. Yeah, Everything's... Yeah. Even though we do giveaways, it's all legal because we register them in every state and so forth. We do all the red tape to make sure it's legal. But either way, yeah, it, it breaks my heart to see some of these people just like, oh, I lost my company because my ad account was disabled or whatever. And it's like, well, mm -hmm. why aren't you doing these other things? Why aren't you doing text? Why aren't you doing email? Why aren't you doing Snapchat, TikTok, whatever? Are you guys doing TikTok? Just, dude, in yeah. the States, it's a different beast. I don't think people really understand how hard it is to get approved as a company in the States. There's agencies yeah. that are approved here. I just got approved last week as a company, not as an agency. Mm. So our company's finally approved. Um, and I just went through the hassle last week of putting the pixel on the, on the page and everything and verifying that it's good. I still have yet to run an ad because I was making content specific, obviously, for TikTok. Mm -hmm. Um, so hopefully next week I will launch our first campaign on TikTok. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Let me know how that goes. I think TikTok is kind of where, you know how you mentioned Facebook a couple of years ago, you tried and it just didn't go well. Cause we, we tried as well. And there was like really cheap clicks. The traffic was like super cheap, but it just wasn't converting. And, and it's kind of at the same stage now. Yeah. Where everyone's talking about TikTok in the same way that they were talking about Snapchat, like three or four years ago, raving about it, but no one's actually making money yet. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see the next few months and how they roll out. I think it'll take some time, just like it did with Snapchat, to where it'll yeah. take some time for them to figure out who to serve ads to, who's actually buying, not just show it to anybody. Um, mm. But Snapchat's finally to that point where, yeah, we see a good return on, on pretty much everything that we want. And we're finally at a higher scale than we were before. We're spending a decent amount. So Yeah, yeah. So so getting a bit more technical with Snapchat, I mean, what can people that are looking to get into Snapchat and add it as a channel um, for their e-com brands, what can they expect in terms of metrics, scalability? Um, what cost per click should they be aiming for? Give us a, a rough lowdown. First things first is that if you're not willing to throw in like 1500 bucks at seasoning your pixel and, and, and running traffic first, don't even try 
really. Mm. I've seen I've seen brands. The thing with Facebook is you can hop in with twenty dollar ad sets and be fine. Snapchat A has fifty dollar ad sets, but then B, um, you have to unlock each event, so you mm. can't just automatically optimize for purchases, right? You have to start by optimizing for swipe ups, and then after you get a hundred swipe ups, then you can optimize for page views. And then after 100 page views, you can optimize for add to carts. And then eventually, yeah, you'll get 100 purchases. Uh, and then you can start optimizing for purchases. And that's when Snapchat really takes off and is good. But if you're, it takes like 1500 bucks. So if you're not willing to sock a little bit of money and effort into it, probably not the right channel just to test stuff when I would stick with Facebook on that. Um, but once you do that, I don't, once again, I only run traffic in the U.S. So so I don't know CPMs and other places, but like if you're running traffic in the U S like I see when I started, I was seeing dollar CPMs, dollar 50 CPMs as to where now I was looking like last week at scale when we were, and when I say scale, we were spending like 40, 40, 50 grand a day. Um, we were seeing $2 50 cent CPMs. So it's just still on significantly, snap. Yeah. Yeah. Holy it's still shit, significantly yeah. cheaper than Facebook for us. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it, we can't spend the hundred thousand dollars a day. Like we can on Facebook. We can, the most that I got up to was 40, 50 grand. And on an average day, I probably only spend 15 to 20 grand on Snapchat. Yeah. Yeah. And what kind of CPAs do you see in comparison with, uh, with Facebook? So it, it is cheaper. Um, so I do apparel. So yep. in the U S you got to understand it's so, I don't know. We run the giveaway model, right? So mm. it's a little bit incentivized. It's not a, like it, it, it's a little bit different, but we see like purchases for ten to twelve dollars on Snapchat, wow. uh, and our average order value sits at about fifty-five dollars. So for us, we'll we'll run it all day. I'll, I I won't stop until probably prospecting at twenty-five dollars or so. But on average, uh, probably sit at about twelve bucks a purchase Shit, on, man. on Snapchat. All right, dude, let's, uh, let's take a quick pause for the out of the spotlight segment. Um, quick question. What are your favorite podcasts, YouTube channels, or people whose content you consume? It doesn't have to be someone super famous and well-known like Tim Ferriss. It can be even just like the little guy that hides in the forums. That hides in the forums. See, the, yeah. the honest truth is that I don't do, I do, the only podcast that I do is not educational whatsoever. It's called The Fighter and the Kid, right. and it's literally just comedians, and it's, has nothing to do with business and it's a waste of my time, but it's like my decompression time as I listen to that. But I listen to a lot of books, um, a lot of audio books because I, I drive into work most times. I probably spend an hour and a half driving a day. So mm. I, I definitely do a lot of audio books more than I do podcasts or, or anything like that. Yeah. Any, any good books that people should listen to or read? Um... I don't know. The ones that my favorite book that I read last year was probably Stealing Fire. I really, really enjoyed Stealing Fire. I don't know if you've read that. No. Um, it's fantastic. What is it? A business book or? It's about, it's, it's more self-help uh, business. Like it's basically what the military and what a lot of people do to get in the zone. Military, no. Navy SEALs. Uh, high-level CEOs, what they do to get in the zone. Anyways, that book was rad. Um, I don't know. I, I, I read a, a ton of books. There there's one called 
why we sleep that I got really into that I started getting into a lot of biohacking last year because of reading it and, and the importance mm -hmm. of sleep. So I read a lot of personal self-help type books That's uh, cool. as opposed to business. Yeah. What, what are you doing? Are you still doing the, the whole biohacking thing? You still very yeah. into that? Yeah, I still yeah. do a decent amount. <laughs> I mean, if you want to get into all that, you can, but I still do a decent amount of like, yeah. and it's mainly just, it's a lot more sleep based and a lot more I'm super into fitness. Right. So I okay, wake yeah. up, I wake up every single morning at five in the morning and I go to the gym and I spend two hours in the gym and then I do sauna and then I do the Wim Hof method of, yeah. of ice baths. And then I come home and get my kids out to school. And then I, then I study and meditate on the way into work, work, get home. I mean, there's just a lot of little things that I do, uh, but I think the biggest change that I've made in the last year is the amount of sleep that I get. Mm, right. I used to be the king of like, fucking sleep when you die, bro. Like <laughs> you can sleep whenever. Uh, you only need five hours of sleep. And I realized how bad it is for you um, yeah. and that you actually need your sleep. So I've kind of changed my whole schedule around being able to get at least seven hours of sleep a night. And still be mm -hmm. able to do those things, go to the gym and do the ice baths and still do all the, the meditations and all that stuff. Very cool. Very cool. So how do you, how do you kind of juggle everything then? Because you have, is it three or four kids that are all like, they're still tiny and they're still tiny, dude. They're like little, little munchkins just running around everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how do you manage everything plus budgets of 50, 100K a day on media? And I mean, that, that stuff has to get watched, you know? You're not, you're not going to be sleeping on that. Yeah. Number one, most important, ob obviously is hire people, um, get the correct people yeah. in place. Right. Yeah. Cause yeah. originally when I started all this, I was doing everything. I was doing all the media buying. I was filming a lot of the content on my, on my phone and then having an agency cut it up, but I was directing it all and doing everything. And I think over this last, within the last year and a half, I got a really good media buyer put in place who I trained personally, who does things kind of the way that I'm used to. Mm. And then I got a photographer and I got a videographer and I got a designer and I got all these people in place to where now I just kind of oversee a lot of that instead mm -hmm. of having to actually be in the ad account all day cutting and, you know, putting in rules and, and changing everything. I just kind of oversee a lot of that. So that helped a lot with getting the correct person in place helped more than anything. And then as far as family, I had, uh, I had a lot of people ask, like, how do you juggle like work and family, right? Because it's very, when you do online marketing like we do, when you yeah, do we, online marketing like we do, what happens is that your work becomes home and your home becomes work. And, mm. and you never get a chance to separate the, your home from the marketplace. A lot of the reason that I come into work is so that I can separate, because I can work from home, but it, like it's easier for me to separate home from the marketplace so that I know... When I come to work and my wife and my kids are fantastic, they understand dad's at work. Don't bother him unless it's an emergency mm. and I'll, I'll work and I'll, I'll be in the zone all day at work. But then I also know that when I leave work and when I get home, I put my phone up for at least two hours. Like right when I walk in, I put my phone up for two hours and I, I have dinner with the family and then get the family down to sleep, spend, spend quality time with the kids and then after they go to bed, yeah, I can pick up my phone and maybe check the ads and check everything that way. Mm. But I think that's the biggest 
change that I made as far as family life was dedicating a solid two hours to not having my freaking phone on me and just putting it on the charger and just giving, you know, quality time to the kids. And that's, and that's hard, dude. Like anyone can say, oh, I'm going to spend some time with the family or whatever. But when you like actually switch off and are present, that's, I don't know. It's, it's something that, yeah. It's 24 seven, you're making, you're, you're never, you're never not making money or losing money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 It's very, hard. it's very hard to do that. And if you get the right people in place and you trust the correct people, which is where I'm at now. I really trust my media buyer. I trust everything there. I'm, I'm good. I can, I know I have a little bit of peace of mind to put the phone up at least for two hours and spend that with the kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, dude. That's cool. So anyone that's kind of, um, in sort of that, that seven figure realm, probably a little bit earlier than the six mil revenue that you came into say two, three mil, what would you tell them to do so that they can go from being a seven figure brand to an eight figure brand? What are the, the core fundamentals in your opinion? Um, and it doesn't have to be marketing. I mean, by the sounds of it and for you guys, it's, it's bringing on cool people. Yeah. Yeah. With, uh, fulfillment and like our customer, like customer appreciation and the actual overall experience with our brand, because when we were doing 6 million or whatever, we were having a hard time getting all those orders shipped out. Right. So mm. even if I would have marketed to, you know, to the moon and we didn't put any order standard order procedures into place as far as fulfillment, it would have been a horrible customer experience, right? When they're waiting a month to get their order, as opposed to we went the opposite route where we made it a very like an awesome customer experience to where they're getting their order within a, a week or so. And that way that allowed us to scale to those eight figures compared to when before we, even if we wanted to scale the eight figures, we didn't have, we couldn't have done that. Right. So we started mm. there. We started with our customers first and made sure that they were having a good experience and that they were, cause our repeat customer rates high. Like we get a 55% repeat customer rate uh, like across the board because people have bought something from us, but then guess what? Next month's a new giveaway and a new truck and a new chance to win a different vehicle. So they're buying stuff again and again and again uh, as to where like our lifetime value for a customer is like $180. It's really, really large. And you're, you're getting them. And when your CPA is like 15 bucks. Yeah, and, and you're, you're paying 50, 15 bucks to bring them on board. That's insane, dude. That's crazy. Excellent. All right, so time for show and tell. What, what's the best purchase you've made under 100 bucks? It can be a piece of tech, digital product, anything you can think of. Dude, I bought Healy. Did you see my Healy video? I did see. Uh, for, for anyone that's listening, you got to- $60 uh, on Amazon, man. man the dopest $60 purchase you've ever seen. Dude, you, you are the funniest guy as well. Ev everyone has to go and follow Van on uh, on Instagram because his content is hilarious. No, those those little the little hands, you know, the little hands, and you're like like licking with the corn chips. Fifteen dollars on Amazon. Ah, oh, dude, that shit is that's hilarious, man. But not like like as far as I don't know, under a hundred dollars. That that one's a tough one for me. I ah uh, man, I. I I think the, the aura ring was a big one for me. Mm -hmm. uh, it's more expensive. It's $300, but it was, a, it allowed me to track my REM cycles in between. Cause that's kind of how you retain your, the, what you learn during the day depends upon how many REM cycles you have at night at retaining everything that you picked up during the day. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of, if you're getting shitty sleep, you're not retaining anything that you're learning. So that was one of the things that I did. And then man of all time, I think the, most important thing, most important purchase that I ever made was my first Shopify store back in the day. 
I, I, dude, I still remember sitting there and That's being cool like, one. my seven day trial is up. Like, I don't want to pay this $40. Like, I really do not want to pay this $40. My seven day trial is up. I made zero money off my, my shit that I was selling. I was unsuccessful and I was just like, I don't want to do that. And I forced myself to pay the $40 uh, so that I would keep my store and I would, and I learned how to run traffic that way. And in, in essence, it, it, it landed me a spot here. And now I've been able to kind of branch out everywhere else, but I can still, I can still have, I still have that feeling. I can still remember that feeling of not yeah. wanting to spend that 40 fucking dollars on a <laughs> Shopify store because I was unsuccessful at making it work. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like the feeling when you do get that first sale, you know, you hear the cha-ching go off on your phone and it's just, it's like, it, dude, it's like a hit, like a drug hit. It's like serotonin or some endorphins or something. When it's we crazy. started our tire brand, we started a, tire, a direct to consumer tire company and the difference, everything that I'd done up until that point, our average order value is like 50 bucks, right? So like those cha-chings mean something, but with these tire brands, these, these tires are like $2,000, right? It's like high level right. e-com, a high ticket e-com. Yeah, yeah. And I remember that like after we finally got it all set up, I remember like specifically making sure that cha-ching noise was on because I wanted to hear those ones because those are the big ticket cha-chings. <laughs> And I turned off all the other chichings, but those ones I left on just because they were, you know, two twenty five hundred dollar orders. Wow. So, so how how do they go, dude? Are you marketing to cold traffic with that? And what's your strategy there? Is it mostly warm traffic because that's a high ticket with the, with the tire company? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we do a lot of cold traffic. Um, wow. Okay. Because we made we made a tire that is specific to diesel trucks. Basically, it's got a harder rubber compound. Diesel trucks are really heavy, and mm -hmm. They, they burn your tires out really quick. So we made a tire. We, we found that people were going through tires, you know, every four months on their trucks. So we wanted to make a tire that was heavier rubber compound so that you could buy tires once a year instead of every four months. And we do a lot of prospecting uh, with those just because of the, the, the selling proposition of having a diesel truck tire that's harder rubber compound. And I've got some pretty am big ambassadors on board and influencers on board. So we, we use them a lot, but yeah, we, we prospect probably more than we do warm traffic with the, with the diesel tires. Wow. Wow. So what, what's the strategy there? Is it very different um, to selling, you know, a $50 ticket product or? It is, it is different, yeah. right? Uh, you got to understand that the touch points going to, it's going to take a lot more touch point as to where like a seven day, like uh, purchase window with my e-com stuff with my t-shirt stuff is fine because most of the people that buy our apparel, they make that decision immediately. Like they see mm. it and they say, Oh, I like that. I can afford 30 bucks or 50 bucks. I'm going to buy it now as to where like, if you get hit with a tire ad and it's like, Oh, I do need tires. Oh, but these are expensive because they're decent. Oh, do I have $2,500? I don't know. So it's a lot of like a bigger funnel for sure. And a lot more touch points and a lot more expensive to acquire customers. We're acquiring customers for, like I said, on Facebook, probably 15, 15 bucks uh, as to where tires, they cost us close to $80 to acquire. $80 for a two and a half K sale. Yeah, but margins aren't there. You got to understand. Right. Yes. There's not quite the same. Like everybody's like, oh, why don't you do that? Well, we have 300% margin. We have huge margins on our t-shirts and our hats and stuff mm. as to where with, even though it's big ticket, 
tires, the margins aren't nearly as good. Yes. Yeah. Pluses and minuses to both, but. Yeah, yeah. That's like we, we had a, a furniture client that just sold like homewares and furniture and stuff. Um, and they needed a 10 times return on their ad spend just to make a tiny, tiny margin. Because they don't have the margins there, right? Exactly, exactly. So same deal. All right, got it, man. Uh, Dude, you're a smart dude. Cheers for coming on the show and sharing all of this stuff. It's it's been unreal. Where can people find you if they want to come and and know more about you? Probably Instagram, to be honest. It's your boy, Van, on Instagram. Like I... I think that's my age demo. Like I'm on there more than I am on Facebook. Um, if you email me, I'm not going to get it. You can write me on Facebook. It's van.oaks, O-A-K-E-S. But uh, Instagram is probably the easiest. And it's just, it's your boy Van on Instagram. Awesome. Awesome. And I respond a lot quicker. I see those a lot quicker. I have notifications on Instagram as to where I don't. Excellent. All right. Cheers for that, man. Thanks for coming on the show. And until next time. So much, man. I appreciate it.